All right, thank you guys so much. Um, I, I appreciate all of the, the energy, right? It's, it's always fun to go out and experience what we have available to us and maybe even see things in a whole other way. I'm going to explain how to prepare a slide, at which point you guys will prepare the slides. The, my objective is not to... I mean, you guys can call me whenever you want, and we'll come and hang out on the farm. That's not a problem. But my objective is not to um, create a, a uh, lack of flow with the information. It's to actually help you guys understand that you are totally capable, a hundred different ways, and most people think they have to send off for a soil sample. Okay. When you send off for a soil sample, depends on what the sample is, right? The type of samples that you're taking. But when you send it off, they take whatever you sent them, right? And I, have, I have bags of soil samples actually from a uh, place just the other day. They put it into an oven and kill everything so that they could get just the minerals to tell you what you have in minerals. But what did they do in the process? It doesn't tell you anything about the biology. There's another kind of test. It's called a Haney test, H-A-N-E-Y. The Haney test simulates nature and how you'll have a rain, you'll have a bloom, you'll have an expression of carbon dioxide. Remember, it's breathing. It's breathing oxygen and respirating carbon dioxide. When that happens, you get so much more information because it's directly connected to the biology at that point. H-A-N-E-Y. His name's Rick. Rick Haney. Okay. He's a good guy. He just retired. There's lots of labs that do it. I'm, I don't, I'm not promoting one over the other. If you want to call me, I can come out to your farm and I'll send it off to them to do the test too. Right? You can do that on your own. The Haney test gives you information connected to the biology, but at that point, the mineral test tells you what structure, nutrition, the soil has in it. So those two tests are paralleled. This is what I have to work with. These are the puzzle pieces. These are the creatures that want to work with it. For a couple hundred bucks, you can actually have a genomics test and it'll tell you the genes of what's in your soil. And then if you have enough time, you can actually go back and find white papers that says this creature right here deals with alkaline soil. It likes it. At that point, it's breaking down, metabolizing what you don't want to deal with. And at that point, that's another teammate on your behalf, right? It really is an amazing process. The website, this is my website right here, wegrowwith.co. I sell kits. These are kits all the puzzle pieces you need so that you can maximize you as an, observa uh, as an observer. Okay? There's three different sections because different people use it just for themselves as a steward. That one has a Wi-Fi camera so you can look at it through the screen of your phone, take a picture of it, and you can email it to someone and say, what is this? Right? Versus, hey, I'm seeing weird stuff in here, not sure what's happening, and nobody else can see what you see. As the educator, it's a different type of camera, so we can all see the same thing. And then there's a laboratory um, kit 
which also allows you to actually look into the root system itself to determine if the fungal communities have already established a relationship. And if it has established a relationship, you don't need to buy more, right? They're already inoculated. The, some of the terminology is changing in the industry right now. They're getting away from what's called the soil food web, uh, nutrient cycling, and they're getting leaning more towards what's called the fungal energy channel. Have you guys heard of that at all? It's recognizing that all of this is interconnected and the fungi are the pathway that channels all of that energy through the entire soil profile into and through your plants. It's directly connected. Sky above, processed through plant, interacted with the soil community, and it's the fungal com community, the beneficial fungi, that actually brings it back and through and allows it to grow. Have anybody here heard the term mycorrhizae? Okay, that's part of that fungal energy channel, right? It really is your roots being 10 times larger than the actual structure of the plant because the root is covered in even smaller little roots or filaments called hyphae um, that are 10 times smaller than a root hair. That's how, when it has this relationship, it can actually access the water and nutrition that the plant couldn't get through, that fungal hyphae will work through in a three-dimensional world and have access to. A saprophyte is usually understood to break down dead living material. Saprophytes, when the plant is alive, establish the epigenetics. Okay. That, that is actually engaging all of those systems, and then when the plant dies for whatever reason system-wise, at that point, the plant has that biology already inside of it, which then breaks it down in nutrient cycling. Uh, I'm gonna, any other questions? There's a lot of questions that actually happened over break. This question just pertains to soil samples as we're about to see from your okay. experiment we're gonna do now, it's gonna be very diverse from one piece of land. So if we have, say, an acre of farm, yep. a soil sample, and we're not doing it ourselves, we want mineral Okay. You know, are we, you know, some say, take it from here, 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 and mix it, and then give it to them. That seems ridiculous. Actually, most of the properties in the United States already have had soil samples done on them. The USGA, years ago, went out to the Geological Society and went through everybody's properties and looked around and said, oh, here's a sandy loam with this type of mineral profile. Here's this with this profile, so right? Uh, it, it's all okay so this is honestly where like me as an ambassador it really is context I don't know like from one side of your property maybe a ridge on this side and something else over here with a water feature that comes through and spreads out minerals from far away right the entire Pacific uh, coast is an, a depositional beach of all the mineral nutrition from the entire Pacific Northwest coming down coming down across and then ends up as sand here in California and in northern uh, or and in Oregon so it really is context dependent and so at that point if you have two specific areas pull from them at that point you'll be able to compare that and you'll say well over here has a lot more iron this area is deficient your job is to now take some of what's over here put it over there right instead of purchasing a product you're purchasing the knowledge you're, you're paying for that that perspective
Okay, with with any type of test, right? It's all subject to the observer. I, I've had people tell me. Here's an example. They'll send you like, can I send you a soil sample? It will be a box, forty pound box of dirt. <laughs> not, I'm not kidding. It costs a lot of money for reals. When they do a, a sample, can who, who has one? I'm, I'm telling you guys secrets right now, so prepare yourself. This is a 15 milliliter. You fill up this base until it becomes a cylinder. This is one milliliter of material. I'm going to break it up a little bit because of the what it is. Why would we want to use water? Puts it into suspension. Suspends it, right? Question now, what kind of water do I want to use? Why distilled? Because there's nothing else in it. So one milliliter of the material with five milliliters of water gives us a five to one ratio. Okay? I'm not kidding. This is high in science right now. Everybody are preparing yourself. Do this for 30 seconds. I can give you guys a dozen labs that this is exactly what somebody's doing and they're going to charge you hundreds of dollars. <laughs> this is how you get scientific consistency. Right? One to five. Rocket like a baby. Because if I do this, right? Inconsistency, we might just obliterated everything. Right? What we're trying to do is get the material that was in out, floating around, right? And then we'll take a sample of that. The other aspect of consistency. How deep do I go? I don't care. Just do it the same. So I hold it, I put it in, I blow out a bubble, bloop. I take in a drop. Guess what happens at that point? I literally just put it on a piece of glass, put another piece of glass over the top of it, and then I take a look. If you know how to count, you can quantify. That's all it is, putting numbers to it. If you don't like counting, don't do it. But still take a look. It's that simple. This is just an observation tool, just like the pair of binoculars. People are not intimidated by a pair of binoculars. Maybe, I am assuming. Anybody here intimidated by a pair of binoculars? This is a pair of binoculars connected to an Etch-a-Sketch. Okay. <laughs> Who told you to take my chair? <laughs> okay. Oh, don't worry. You're all going to get a chance to sit in the hot seat. Don't worry here. All right. So the way this... I'm just demonstrating. Then I'm going to stand over there and answer questions. Everybody else is going to take a look. Okay? This is, how, this, is, this is part of it. At this point, if you have the right tools, you can take a picture, write down information, you can say, hey, this is from corn soybean filled plot 78 with this, you know, we just added such and such to it. We're noticing a yellowing. If you're noticing a yelling, a yellowing, that's because three days before you killed everything. 
nature takes a little bit of time to catch up before it starts asking us for help. Right? Most of us, our memory isn't very good, and so we blame it on ourselves or something in the future versus realizing that it was three days ago we killed everything, and the plant's finally getting around to not having its team and going, hey, anybody else up there? Can they help me? Right? So, this is a slide. Just support it. Goes down. Consistent spot, though. Put one drop right in the center. Put the lid back on. That one, that'll get you. Right? At that point, we have a slide cover or a cover slip. If you know what color your shirt is, it won't get confusing later when you go, what is that black thing? What is that? I've never seen one of those before. And you're like, oh wait, hold on, that's, that's my shirt, right? Cover slide. You put it at an angle on the edge of the dot and then you let go. Putting it on an angle at the edge of the dot, pulls the water to it, goes across the whole slide cover, you lay it down, it spreads it out. At that point, you take a look. We are fortunate enough to be able to look together. Okay. We might actually get to see some really cool stuff. Moss is a whole little micro forest system with uh, creatures called tardigrades in them. I don't know if you guys ever... They have eight legs. They're super cool. They're supposed to be like indestructible. They've taken them to space. They look, they're called water bears. Um, okay. You can see all of this with your naked eye or a pair of a magnifying glass, right? The biggest stuff is at this level. Even though they're called micros, at this scale, they're the bigger ones. You have different roles within the ecosystem. You have microarthropods. Arthropods are just like little type insects, right? They're shredders. Definitely would find them in the leaf mold, leaf mulch. They're shredding up that material. That's why it has that fluffy consistency. They're breaking it up. Bacteria, we will not see until we hit 400 magnification. Right now, we're only at 40. Okay, so. I'm going to close this because if I move it around real fast, you guys all get motion sickness and, and it's, it's not good. Or we can watch and see this is how, you know, looking over. Hey, look, there's a thread. See? Okay. So. We're going to now, you literally just go side to side, down, same field of view, over the other side, down, field of view, over this other side, and you go through all the passes and you can see everything on the entire slide. It's representing one drop of water from one milliliter of soil which potentially was sent in a 40-pound box of material trying to get an idea of what you have to work with. The only reason why this actually works is because when you have things in water, it all balances out. It becomes a spectrum, a perspective of the whole, right? That's why when you're out in the ocean, it has just about everything in it, but it's just really little and all spread out, okay? So. One second.
If you have really weird insect larvae, you'll see them at this phase. So we're still at 40 magnification. It's a 40 because the eyepieces are 10. This is a 4x lens. We're going to go from 40 to 100. Here's something really cool, everybody. Anybody tell me what that is right there? Yeah, green, you got the color. See, some people are colorblind, and it really gets awkward. But it, if it's... Why are you laughing? You guys just earned your green thumb. Congratulations. If it's green, it's photosynthesizing. That's it. If it's green, it's photosynthesizing. At that point, it's taking in sunshine and turning it into sugars. This is a little algae or part of the moss, right? The, the all like I can't tell you exactly what it is. I can tell it's a plant cell because of the square structure to it, but really it's green. It's growing, right? This is also something you don't see in most agricultural fields at all. Yeah. And frankly, there's more life in this picture. There's even a spore that's happening up here that doesn't exist at all. You just found it outside. It's because we're in a healthy ecosystem. The rule of I, or the role of I, is for you in your life to go to healthy ecosystems and bring it home. Right? I had someone ask me in the last class I taught, how do I know? And it's just because that's where I take my children. It's the healthiest beach in California. Healthiest mountains in California. Healthiest streams in California. Health Where do you guys take your kids? But the perspective is that this is actually a co combination of from the macro to the micro about health and healing and nurturing and cultivation of good. We're growing the good. Okay? We're going to go from 100 to 400. We're now going to start to see bacteria, right? Before you change that, I'm not colorblind, but that does not look green to me. Well, why don't you come up here oh, and look? I can see it now. Okay, oh, thank you. I you're just, welcome. I didn't think you were lying. I just thought you were lying. You're from California, huh? <laughs> it happens. So, all right. We're good? It's growing. Okay. We're going to go to 400. When we hit 400, we're actually going to see the foundation point of the nutrient cycle because we're seeing bacteria. The bacteria are mostly nitrogen filled, like the fuel, right? If there's nothing to eat and tear open those little fertility packets of fuel, then the plant itself can peel back the outer protective layer of them and actually through a process called rhizophagy, eat that microbe, have it go up and through its whole system, and then put it back out into the soil to keep going. It's called root feeding, rhizophagy. That's just what that means. We're gonna go to 400. Oh, look at this! Hey, can you see that? Good. Wouldn't it be awkward if it wasn't? Yeah, it would. That's bummer. <laughs> All right. At this scale, right? 
It's the rule of the role of I again. Some sometimes when I, I read scripture, I, I, I um, a different perspective, and so when Christ like every dot and every, I think he meant wiggle, and it's just a typo, right? <laughs> like, can you imagine like every dot? Those are called cocci; they're single-celled bacteria, right? Every dot and every wiggle. Be fruitful and multiply, right? <laughs> These here. We're at such a scale. This is, remember, just a drop. Dark amber colored crystals, those are called humic acid. And to be just totally honest, it's not even an acid. This is how confusing the industry is. If they take acid and pour it into good healthy soil and they flush it through, you get fulvic acid. It's a different pH scale. If you take water, which is what we did, and do exactly what we did, it's water-soluble. It's humic. Um, Yet There's some really interesting little twists to this because the word Adam, right? And then the Hebrew word Adama, it means that's made from the healthy soil, like good ground. That Adama is human, H-U-M-I-N. It's the most stable. It's the most nutritious. It's the best for the planet. We're the human, M-A-N. This is human. It's a speech impediment thing for some people, but it is really the same thing and different. Okay, When we look at the hue, the color component, this is where we're talking about diversity. We're talking about the the whole palette of creation, right? The human is the manager. And manage just means the old man, the man who's aged. It's true, kind of true, right? So, at this point, can you guys see them? That's your labor force. They're little, cut them some slack, right? That labor force is waiting for something to come and eat it. They don't take it personal, like honest. At that point, whatever's in it becomes plant-available nutrition, water-soluble. That's water-soluble nutrition from a biological scale. Well, hi. Did you see this? You know, I am, actually. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. At this point, I don't care who goes first or who goes next. Take a few minutes. Everybody has an opportunity to utilize this tool. The fine focus knob, larger focus, etch a sketch. Up, down, side, side. Make sense? Who's next? There you go. Look, you're ready to go. All right. We're going to have a seat. We're going to go back to the four, which creates space. We open the side, pull out the slide. Okay. Right? At this point... Do we use the same slide? Or? Nope, because okay. it's dirty. Well, it's not dirty. It's been soiled. This is really like how word changes, right? Dirt's dead. I want soiled, spoiled children. 
Yeah. Yep, you take take this. Same one? Yeah, we're going to do it. Okay. We'll flush it. Okay. Right. Okay. okay, there you go. If at a 1 to 5 dilution ratio, here, we're going to pull out a slide. I got one. Oh, perfect, and then the cover slip. If at a 1 to 5 dilution ratio, you can't see anything, there's no space in between, at that point, you have to go to a higher dilution ratio, a 1 to 10, a 1 to 20, 1 to 15. If you have clay soil, where it just holds suspended, and then when it dries, it becomes concrete, at that point, you're going to have to have a higher dilution ratio. Those minerals are so small, they're just layered upon layer, and that's why clay doesn't allow that water. It's hydrophobic at that point. Questions while we figure the next slide out? Yes, in the back. Well, it is soil. It's alive, but it's in this form, right? So at that point, it's really the fungal component that builds and brines and breaks that up, right? They're able to work between those fine particles, and then at that point, they're able to have access and utilize it. Most, like, for the people here in California, we have wildland fires. It, it terrifies a lot of people. Um, if you're from other states, you might not understand how literally just some trees, you know, on a hillside will, you know, cause a whole community to panic. If you're out in nature and the fungal prop, uh, populations are healthy, you go out and step out on a log, that log, right, and turns into soil. It's just looking for us to get it closer. That's because a spore flew through the air, landed on that log, or it was already part of the epigenetics of that plant, and has eaten the hard part, the lignin and cellulose. Okay? At that point, if we have a fuel load, food, it has to be consumed by fire or by metabolism. If it's being consumed by fire, we killed the things that ate it, the metabolism. And it makes perfect sense why the entire Central Valley is pumping out hundreds, if not millions of gallons of things that kill fungi. And then it's called drift onto the entire Sierra Nevadas and then that population is killed off and that fuel load over decades builds up and then it burns. If the Sierra Nevadas don't have a healthy population, then that population doesn't spread across the deserts because it's dead, which means the deserts are deserted. Make sense? Okay. This is a little bit of wordplay, but it's actually it's a desertion. Like There's nothing there. There's a system called an arid environment. It means they like living in Arizona. They like the dry heat. They can be a healthy ecosystem and habitat. Great. It's not a desert. Deserts are man-made. Arid environments are places where nature just doesn't like as much water. Right? What was that? It's interesting. It, it, it's, well, um, you guys religious, right? Why is it called dirt devil? You guys know what a dirt devil is? What do they call it in West Africa? When you have the finest material picked up by the wind and blown away. Do you guys have a special name for that? No? Dust devils, dirt devils, okay? Tornadoes. 
tornadoes, right? And it, it's kind of a funny, but the, the whole devil component to it really is we've sinned. We've missed the mark. And the land is leaving the life that likes to live there by land, sea, or air. That's called erosion. And when it's not bound together by the fungal component interlocking in this network, right, it will leave. That same air patterns move through everywhere else, but it's bound together, it's held onto. At that point, that same invisible vortex passing through doesn't have anything to grab onto, and it moves on through. When it goes through ag land, it creates the dirt devil, right? It's telling, it's a tattletale on your neighbor or on yourself, right? It's also indicating that you have a lack of fungal component and trace elements because they're leaving. That's the lightest material, right? And they're literally picked up, blown through weather patterns, and hoping to find a better place to live. It's habitat hospitality. This crazy life. First of all, they make babies. Some of them don't even make babies. It literally is like, hey, let's just have two. Right? At, at that point, you have to have the conductor that's out there 24 7, and those are the plants. Right? <laughs> if, if it looks like a crystal or mineral, it is. Right? When you look at. Um, Sandy soils, it's just mostly little crystals. It's beautiful, right? It looks like a little kaleidoscope. Um, can you go to the, yeah. So this right here. Oops, sorry. That's right. Okay. This right here on one of the labels that you might read would be called a propagule or a colony forming unit. It may die, but they get to put it on a label anyways. Okay. It's a part of a fungal strand or hypha. At this scale, form is function, right? If the fungal hyphae are wide, amber in color, with what are called septa divisions between, it's beneficial, right? The waterborne fungi, or what most people deal with, like powdery mildew, things like that, doesn't look like that at all. Literally, it's threatened, it's thready. It, it's not, you know, structure like this. And at that point, you end up with something that is a opportunist. It's still there because just like with the hand sanitizers, it, we killed 99% of the good guys. The ones that are left over, waterborne pathogens, a lot of them, you know. This is just an observation tool. If you want to know what's going on in your water that you're irrigating with, if you're wanting to know what's happening upstream, this this will tell you. Um, and it also allows you the opportunity, allows you the opportunity to compare and contrast throughout the season. These kits that, you know. I, the little guys, the littlest ones. The little, okay, so, so remember that right now, so first of all, this is at a thousand magnification, okay? you guys see it almost looks like a little bit of a rainbow effect? It's because 
we're looking through them and there's a prisming of the light through the body. Okay? The smallest dots are called cocci. It pretty much just means dot. Right? <laughs> Bacilli means bar-shaped. Right? Form and function. Yeah. If at that point you want more specificity, more details, it becomes how do they grow together? And that's why you have all the different growth plates that they use, right? But I'll tell you another secret. It's not even a secret. They tell all this stuff out there. About 99% of the life that is in the soil doesn't want to grow on a sugar plate. Does not want to be cultured in a lab. Therefore, most of the products, if it's not nature-made in vivo versus in vitro, if it's not nature-made, it doesn't want to grow there. In vivo is what people can produce at scale, which is mostly why they're um, um, fermenters, because they're shelf-stable. Most tuning forks, right? Cultivator forks have short handles with a D. Do you guys know why that is? The little, little handle? Yeah. Why? Well, you know, at least you recognize, right? Yeah. right? At that point, the little handle is so you can fit more on a shelf at a hardware store. Yeah. That's not how it works. Right? They're harder to find, but if you have a short-handled one, you take off that handle, put a long handle on it, it's still good to go. Why do they have the lacquer on the outside? What? No. So it looks pretty. It looks pretty and it preserves the luster while it sits on a shelf for years. I know. Most people spending money at the hardware, hard is store, think it's practical. Strip off that lacquer because the lacquer is what grimes and bites your hands. That's what gives you your, your, uh, your blisters. You get rid of that, you put a little bit of oil into it, it breathes, it's wood, it, it, it works for you, right? A little patina to it, works out fine. You can work with this all day long. It's, it's a shift of perspective because you're the one getting to use it versus the person selling it to you with their own agenda and marketing and labels and pretty pictures and all the things. How about wax candles? Wax candles are great, yeah. Linseed, boiled linseed, or I like I prefer raw linseed oil. When they boil it down, it actually they add other chemicals to it. Um, but it, it's just an oil. You can use any oil. I've lived in the tropics. Coconut oil is used for just about everything, right? Um, sorry. When we have here, and I'll, I'll adjust where it is real fast. I'm gonna go to the other side because I think there's a chair there. Who would like to set up the next slide? Ah, it doesn't. So this company that I am a distributor for, they were able to invent a a 100x, which allows a thousand magnification dry lens. That's why I work with them. They literally were able to make it click, 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 just like normal. Versus you have to mess with oil, then that oil gets on things. It gets on your other lenses. It ruins everything. Nobody wants to use it. Everybody. Does anybody here have a microscope? So you guys share one. No, one, two, three, four, five. Okay. 
how could you come to an advanced class unprepared? Like, these, this is the tool that you're requiring, right? So, anybody here have a pitchfork? All right, good. At least we're, we're, right? If you don't have a pitchfork, or sorry, if you don't have a microscope, the pitchfork and all your other senses will do it. But you have to fine-tune it. That's how the nose knows to say no. Because it stinks, right? Beware of the rot. It's a different ecosystem. It's the, the um, anaerobes that are producing alcohols. When you have an anaerobic environment, that, those alcohols will burn the root tips right off your, off your roots. And then you wonder why <laughs> your plant's dying or not thriving, right? It's still alive but not really doing anything. That alcohol literally burned them all off. And at that point, it's, it's just trying to survive. Question? Uh, that is why the, thermo uh, the thermometer is so important. Um, anything over 155, 160 shifts the whole ecosystem and it kills off what are known as mesophilic or thermophilic. There's a, there's a whole other phase to the point where the... Uh, I'll tell you. This is why some compost can catch on fire. Because it's now filled with alcohol. And it's 175 degrees. The anaerobes produce it. It's the result of their metabolism versus aerobic metabolism. So right here, this right here is what's known as a microaggregate. These are your microbes, right? Agora, or to come together, group, right? It requires these before we can see them on the macro scale. That's what the air and water passage is. So this tells me that there's already enough community here to start pulling together so that this... Everybody okay? Got a little, like, no, this is reality TV. I could hook this into the TV. This one, my kids like, Dad, did you see that? Right? This, this is that. That's the slide drying. Like everything shifting all at one time is the slide drying and shifting over. Uh, so don't panic. They ran away from us. <laughs> yeah. See, exactly. Hopefully not. It is alive. Actually, it is alive. So just like when we were talking about, you you can put in. Just like we were talking about with. Um, a shift away from the soil food web to, to talk about the fungal energy channel. It's the understanding that the carbon itself isn't just like a chunk of wood chip in the soil. That's not how we need to sequester carbon, just like bury wood chips, right? The, the, it's called, um, let's see. What we're wanting to promote, which is what that aggregate is, is mineral-associated organic matter. Okay? And depends on how you say it, you'd be like, Mom! Right? But this is your actual dirt 
that's paired with the biology and why it matters. This is sequestered carbon. It's literally the, the liquid carbon, the li label carbon that's in that system, having the resources and then pulling together these aggregates. That's the carbon that you're wanting. It's like a little apartment complex filled with absolutely everything. That's why they're all hanging out with each other. Those aggregates will get bigger and bigger and bigger from the microbe scale, literally single dots, right? All the way into something you can hold in your hand. Kind of looks like cottage cheese. And it's a weird soil to work with because we're not used to it. We're used to hard, right? And you can take your hand and literally blah, 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 down into the soil up to your elbow in good, healthy, organic matter. And then you don't even feel dirty because you're not. You've been soiled, right? <laughs> It's true. That's how it works. Questions? More questions? Yes. All right. Uh, let's keep hearing them. So as far as tillage goes, there was a brief mention of that at the beginning. I'm curious. Well, why don't you tell me? What do you think tillage does? <laughs> well, I've, you know, there's, there's a lot of conflicting views, right? Um, okay. Some say the oxidation destroys all your microbial life. Some say the... Uh, tillage aerates the soil to encourage the aerobic microbial life. Okay. Um, and some say it depends on what your method of tillage is. Rototillers destroy everything, whereas broad forks are helpful. But, you know, you can't broad fork five acres, so... You can. I mean, you could, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for reals. Um, uh, so over the last... Th what I'm sharing with you is part of my own personal journey and experience, both in regeneration and recovery. Um, I lost 100 pounds. Uh, some people talk about my shoes. Like, I realized we're springs, right? They're pumps, right? Um, I got rid of my weed eater. Just tore me up. Four major back surgeries, not good at all, right? Plus the cost, plus of this, plus of that. And I bought a scythe. It costs 200 bucks, weighs less than four pounds, and I can strengthen the core. Right? And I'm done, I can come back again tomorrow. I'm done, come back again tomorrow. When I went out there this morning and collected the dew, everything that's been cut like that is still alive. Everything that goes through a weed eater or a mower isn't at all right at that point if I'm wanting to take what's called an extraction that material I literally can put it through an appropriate bag right strainer bag rinse off that material it's it's some of it's going to be green but majority isn't if you put it through a weed eater it's it's just cellulose and plant juices everywhere, right? At that point, you're taking the biology that is on that material and you can put it back out into that system. With tillage, it depends on what you're working with. You have to be strategic. If you're setting the optimal path, sometimes that's flipping the hammer over and using the claw in to pull out the nail. If you have a compaction zone, that's a limiting factor. If you get rid of that limiting factor and then reset the system for that optimal path, at that point, you're not going to have the issue 
because you've reestablished that whole system, put all the fuses back into, and it becomes functional again. If you just obliterate it, right, and then go through the system, water, kill more things, do more, you know, management techniques on it, at that point you're just resetting that system for the problem again next year, the problem again next year, the problem again next year. I work with an indoor grower in uh, Nevada. He's on his 27th cycle of indoor grown, um, it's, it's cannabis, but indoor grown cannabis that is 100% just in beds. He doesn't add any fertility to it, it's alive. And he literally can take a plant with a pot with no bottom on it, put it on there, those roots spread down into it, he harvests, he goes through another pot, harvests next to, He's done this for over six years, has not added one input. He makes a compost pile every year. Like, he just adds the life, adds the diversity to it. It's a closed loop system. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yes, sir? Now, when you do cover cropping, how okay. does that relate to tillage? Okay, so what cover cropping is, is it adds a protective layer, right? You don't want the ground to be exposed. It adds diversity because each one of those plants is putting out its own little flavor into that ecosystem. And if you are going to do cover cropping, <clears throat> it's not necessarily about the number of types of seeds, it's the number of families of plants represented. They're showing now that if you have four different families of plants, that those four families represent such a large spectrum that at that point the diversity for the biological component is covered versus saying we have 10 different types of clover right you really only have one plant right legumes grains grasses asteraceae like actual plants like sunflowers like the diversity at that point but from four distinctive family groups so it's it's really amazing um, because it, it provides, um, a f you have a question, another what one? What would be the example of the two other families besides the legume or grasses? Yeah, brassicas are another one. Um, uh, some plants don't support a mycorrhizae network, but they're still there. They, in, they influence it, right? Um, I personally, go to an area and I look around and see what grows without anybody's help. At which point I try to find cultivated crops from those families because those families kind of do pretty good there without anybody supporting them. Connected back to tillage real fast, depending on what you guys are growing, most vegetable crops are not herbs. Mint is another family, right? Most vegetable crops are not herbs. They're early successional weeds. Lettuce is a thistle. The reason why we grow it at scale agriculture isn't because it's the healthiest for us. It's because it grows well in disturbed soil that doesn't require much except, you see what I mean? It's a whole other thing. We catch it before it goes to thorn or to seed. But as a plant in a family, thistles, right, that that plant isn't the best for us, it's just what can grow there. And it's a shift of management practices. Um, 
uh, plantains, which is another one that's easy, it's in everybody's parks. It's probably here on property. You can find it in a few minutes. Um, plantain is, um, it's also known as white man's footprint. There's a really great book called uh, Ethnobotany of Native Americans. There's no pictures in it at all, and it is fine print. But it will tell you what each of the traditional people groups in the United States used and cultivated and how they utilize those plants. Um, for both medicine and food and, and utilitarian purposes. Uh, it's called ethnobotany. Ethno is just like people groups, right? Botany is how they use plants of uh, of North America. Ethnobotany of Native North America, I believe, is the so title. Is, I'm sorry. No, for four. What, what's, um, I, I was talking to a guy at uh, Midwest Bioag. That's John, John Kemp's group. Yeah. Great podcast, by the way. Um, and I, I don't know if this is just the idea for larger scale growers, that it's like, how do we make that much compost to cover a field of this size? But, you know, a lot of, when you look into their products, and it's just a breakdown of, like, some sort of sugar input, and then they add in the biology, mm -hmm. and they, like, will do a sugar input, like, once every two weeks, mm -hmm. type of thing, and it's like... It's not worth it. Does that, well, they think it is. Well, that's because they're selling it to you. <laughs> well, I mean, the idea that, I mean, you could use that or you could just buy your own sugar, technically. But, I mean, yeah. is... Most of it is blackstrap molasses, unsulfured blackstrap molasses. Mm -hmm. So, but does that... Which I mean, is cheap. Can you actually see a difference? If so, if you already use a sugar, like if that? you're using a sugar, it's feeding the bacteria. It's not promoting the fungal populations. I've heard, though, that the fungal population then... They have something to work with. Right. Right. That still requires the fungi to be there in the first place. And what they're finding now is that it doesn't matter how much sugar you throw out there, how much bacteria you throw out there, if you're waiting for a spore to fly through the air and land on your crop, you know, field and then all the other factors, it's going to take way more. That's why you hear it's like... So let me, let me, yeah. I actually know John too. Okay. So, um, indigenous is always the best. Indigenous means of place. You are, if you're growing roots, you're of place. It's how you know you're a grower and not a tourist. Okay, you're growing roots into that space, that community, that ecosystem, you as a macro as well as the micros. Most of the biology that is out there on the market is, is truly a recipe of someone going, okay, we're a little teaspoon of this, teaspoon of this, 15 pounds of filler. If it says 99%, 93% inert medium, that's filler, which means that bag is one teaspoon of biology. That's what you're paying for. There's more biology in this, and that's how I know, right, how to process this over and to make it into something more. For the last year, I've been bringing a product onto the market. 
the source material for that product is not from a worm. It's from a different creature. No, it's a little different. Well, this is this is this is what's become created because of it. Oh, it's right here. All right. So when I when I go out, do my little birding. Right? This is fun. You go to the store, right, and shake it out. That's how I walk through the woods. How do you guys? Do you leave it nicer than you found it or not? Right. We can pass this around. This is just screened, but it's from a different kind of animal. That its sole purpose is what's called a mycophage. It eats fungi, packs them together in humic crystals, and leaves a stable human, H-U-M-I-N, just waiting for it to be into the appropriate spot. The only reason we're able to make this as a product is because an ecosystem was preserved and nurtured to be able to have this at scale. And now we can produce it at scale that's not user friendly for most people. This is a liquid extract of that, stabilized with other goodies, right? So that the biology is then paired and shelf stable and can go out. That's yeah, that's the cool part. That's what takes you a long time to figure this out, Tracy. <laughs> but because of that, it's now applicable, user friendly at scale for growers. If you don't have that nature-wise, the best is a compost pillar, worms, millipedes, the whole spectrum of the soil food web, the biology. All right, so this is actually a really great shot. This here, do you see how dense the mineral is? Okay, so no matter what, we can tell that that structure, you see how fine the particles are? Okay. This is what most dirt looks like, right? Dirt, yeah. Well, this this is where no, I, I agreed. This is where it's so fine and it's just mineral. That would be dirt, right? It's only because we can look closer to see if the biology is there, just in that tight mineral structure. That's why the observation tools are so important. A hundred percent. Everybody honestly needs a microscope. If you utilize it for a season, two seasons, you shouldn't need to by three because you actually have macro scale observable um, evidence that the microbe scales is taken care of. That's when you go out at nighttime and the worms are on the surface and then making more air and water passages. You'll see these little mounds of droppings that's the worms telling you, we're good down here, putting it up on the surface. This here is a nurtured worm bin. You guys can see. If you peel down the sides, you'll be able to see them move around, creating those air and water passages. It's all establishing what we normally don't see because we're on the surface. Got to look below. More questions? Yeah. Right. Is that what we're talking about here? Hope not. About smaller, a smaller input and having better results, or like, 
Because it's like, okay, I look at this and it's like, it's dead. I'm not saying that this is. I'm no, I understand. It's dead. And it's like, okay, it's dead. Okay, now what? Do I call up compost or do I do this? Do I have to? Because I've tried to use inoculants mm-hmm. and they didn't work. The only thing I've seen is just that recently when I when I when I layer the sugar on top with the, the stimulant on with the microbes, and I've seen some like yep. well, that root hair starting to grow out more. Excellent. But but then it's like, is that what we're talking about or? So the ideal, and I'm also going to say the greatest return on investment, is to put the biology with your seed, as a seed coat, or in furrow, or working it into your beds, and then planting into those spots. Compost, most compost is sterilized, and you don't really, it's, it's rot. Most compost is rot. Like, it's gross, some of it. They're trying to get rid of a waste stream. If you put a ton of that out there or 50 tons out there, you're also taking what is in that and putting it into that system. Um, Lynn Hoag, he, he had a whole bed. Tracy was, we, I did a class a couple months ago. His, that whole bed died and it's 100% connected to the compost he put on it. It was toxic, right? And so that's why if you create your own, you know what you're putting into it. If if, if you're utilizing a product like this, by putting it in with the seed or on the seed and then planting, that seed will take what biology is there and say, oh, I need more of you, and nurture that population, right? Um, and then that's what creates what's called a rhizosheath. If you pull up your roots, and I don't mean pull up, right? you open the ground, right? You break it up, you're trying to keep everything intact, but you loosen that and you pull up your roots, if they're naked, they have no microbiome that they're working with. Are there certain plants that it would not have that as opposed to others? For instance, like radishes. Radishes will still develop it. I mean, it's, it's usually like a half right turn, so it's just this sheeting. Yeah, but right at the base, you'll have the feeder root hairs and everything coming out. They will be covered with what's called a rhizosheath. It's, it's, a, it's a shield, a protective layer to them. Like on green beans, I don't then you're missing the biology that wants to protect your green beans. Because that's the whole job. The plant literally through those aggregates will be pulling that closer and closer to it, right? That's the fungal community bringing those resources in. At that point, the hairs are covered in, I I believe I have a sample from um, a recent farm, and we couldn't find any in, in acreage of vineyards. Couldn't find it at all in the vineyard but I could find it in the weeds, right? And it was in the weeds that were at the end of turns where they turn off the sprayer and turn around, and then they hit that sprayer grin, death, for another 200 yards. But in those unkilled corners, we were able to find, yeah, we were able to find rhizosheaths. Anyways, I'll, I'll pull these out, but you can see some of the, the so roots. So this is an example of the rhizosheath? This one said, in particular is, and it's just the first one on top. A lot of people will show pictures of the roots, and they're naked. That just means everything's water-soluble nutrition. It tells you that they're a salt grower. They're, they're using fertilizers and not fertility. The, 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 this is how soil grows. And then what happens is, as that plant dies right? Chop and drop, or you're not destroying that ecosystem. That biology 
then has the path of least resistant, and that becomes the next air and water passage. That's the path of least resistance for the worm to work its way through, eating the whole time, coming out the back end. You're removing the surface. You're you're uh, reaping the harvest, not well, destroying where the time well, is stored. You know, arugula, right? Okay. Root. Yeah. Um, you know, we're gonna turn, gonna turn that bed over. Uh, okay. Ready for your next planting, whether it's another crop in your cycle or whether it's another successive planting of arugula. Um, uh, in my experience, the if you don't do a fairly thorough job of removing those roots, you're gonna have arugula there for the rest of your life. Yep. Um, so wait, real quick, because nothing's there to eat it. Okay. The gentleman that I was telling you about who grows indoor cannabis full, right? That's a medium story woody plant. It's a bush. Yeah. Okay? I used to Real roots, right? At that point, there's no root. Like, literally, he has a dance. This is where the next one goes. This is where the next one goes. Nine week cycle. Then he plants in the same spot the, the one before. He's not removing the roots. Nope, not even at all. No-till. See, I have, I have uh, you, what you described about worms. I walk in one of my hoop houses at night. Yeah, and you can it's see alive. The yeah, that's right. good. <laughs> that same greenhouse, yep. if I don't pull out those roots of the arugula, I have arugula coming What, except for worms, like, because worms are what's called a trophic level, yeah. right? At that point, we shift over to, like, springtails, pill bugs. Lots of pill bugs. Okay, exactly. They're the ones breaking down that other organic material. So this is where the complete ecosystem comes in. Um, I made a pack a long time ago with gophers, right? <laughs> gophers are macro. Yeah. <laughs> gophers are macro scale. They're mammals, right? Macro scale, they create air and water passages. And then when you I do a lot of trench work, and at, when you do a trench, you can see that gopher move through right into hard pan. That's why they're there. Like, if you have soil that is aerated and healthy, they dig and the tunnels collapse on them. They don't want to be there. I think one of the things you might be missing is that your soil is so good that that plant just wants to re-tap in and the, the microbes will just re-hook to it, like the arugula. The only way I've seen it actually work is that if you, if you actually tarp that bed for a week or two so that doesn't have the sunlight so that your, your things can go back. But you're right, I mean, if you're going to flip it, there's, that soil is so good it'll just re so, so I can attest to the fact I'm a third generation farmer and I can say that the things that he's saying, the problem is, the reason why he's wrong is because... <laughs> no, no, good. This is why I have worked with industry. Wrong is because agriculture teaches you to not hear what he's saying. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you that, I mean, I'm a third generation farmer and everything in agriculture tells you that what he's saying can't yeah. be true. And it makes it so we can't take and apply those things in our individual situations. Real quick, third generation. Right? This is that rule of three. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to listen to this, especially when you've been in the industry. And the things you've been taught and the things you've learned, and you're just like, it's not right. It doesn't make sense. And you just fight it. And it. I'm saying, I did it. I had 60 feet of soil. It's alkaline soil. We took and we had a feedlot next door. We put 40 truck, 40 semi loads on a, on a 20 acre area. And we, we have mint sludge, we have the stubble left over. We deep plow it, and the next spring, you yeah. look and you couldn't find any residue anywhere. 
Are you talking about arugula or stubble? <laughs> I'm just talking about stubble. <laughs> Biomass. My point is, is that the 60 feet of soil, the 60 feet of soil was nutrient deficient in almost everything, and it was like a bonfire, and it just ate that stuff up, and it was gone. So the stuff, my point is not not the same as about the arugula. Okay, it's just, I was like, no, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see what you is that there was no nutrition left. There was no nutrition left in that soil. didn't matter how much I put in, it got eaten up. It was... And this is where the diversity also... That was the nicest way to tell everybody I'm right. I appreciate that very much. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm okay to be wrong too, but I think you just said I'm right, and I just want to make sure real fast. I, I honestly have spent a year bringing this to market and doing all the research because wherever the sample is, it's moving around, right? That, that material... That material, it's not worm casting. It looks like it. I know. I'm not saying it is, I'm saying it looks like it. That sample is from source. The problem is, we've killed the creatures, we've destroyed the habitat. If you're waiting for this creature to wander around and then to also be at such a scale to repopulate that habitat, yeah, and then it gets run over on the road, right? This, this is where. I then had to spend the whole this whole last year going, well, that's the ideal. And then I heard everybody's problem of why that's not going to work. And then it had to become, well, what kind of pump? What kind of this? What kind of all the actual logistics? What kind of equipment? The how part. And that is why it's now a liquid. Because I can't No. No, it's human. <laughs> it really is. That's that's good healthy soil. <laughs> yeah, that might have been the shaker. <laughs> and and this is where a lot of the stuff in scripture really does cross over because this is the fat of the land. When we talk about long chain triglycerides, right? That's what that is. Like this is the fungal component. This is the fat of the land. This is go out and reap. This this all has understanding. But it's common sense understanding because it's a shared sensory experience with the rest of life. And life, for me, the capital L, is, is really local, loving life. And that should include you. And if you don't have that L, it's just iffy. Yeah. It's true. Here? No, I'm teaching class. What are you doing? <laughs> All right, we did go a little extra on time. I'm happy to stick around and answer some more questions. Thank you guys so much for for the positive energy and the wonderful. Uh, WeGrowWith.co contact information. What was the last part? I was just going to ask the same thing you're about to say. WeGrowWith.co all the contact information for myself. There's also purchasing options for the different kits. Thank you very much for this. there's some educational components that reinforce some of the things that we already talk about, but it, it really is about understanding our role as stewards to nurture a system that we would want to live into. And land is really dead dirt, life and land, and that dead dirt put back together. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit 
www.audioverse.org.